0: If you would, please bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that as we approach you in prayer, O God, that we don't have to come with fear, but you said that we could come with boldness to obtain the grace and mercy that Jesus Christ gave to us. And Father, you're wonderful. As we sing how great you are, we thank you through all the ages, Lord. In the labors and the toils of life, you have shown yourself to be a comforter, a wonderful counselor, yet you had no instructor. Lord, you are so holy and so large that there's not an instrument to mankind that could even begin to measure you. Yet you held the balance of the mountains and all the dust of the earth in your own hands. We thank you for being seated and never being moved, never being nervous about an outcome, whether it be eternal or individual. And then I can't help but thank of the work of your fingers And even the greatest, even the Hubble telescope today cannot see the end of your vast array. We thank you for the prophets of old who you gave in generations who were a kind of 911 call for you, God. To generations and nations to cry out They lived as lonely men in the earth. Though they were in the crowd, they were simply not satisfied unless they were hearing your voice and proclaiming your message. And it was never a message that allowed them all the benefits of the world, but they were captive and they were hungry, buffeted and naked. But your glory was shown in them. You gave us a covenant in the heavens by a rainbow that we still see today that reminds us of your faithfulness, God. And yet by the Holy Spirit, you have spoke through holy men of old so that today I can declare your word, O God. As we prepare our hearts for a season where we celebrate the birth and the greatest gift ever known to mankind, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. But it didn't end with you sending him here. Today we thank you that he's seated and he has a name above every name. And no one's been lower than he's been, nor higher than his heights. Father, will you let this sink into our hearts today as we prepare? Teach us, Lord, your word. Not with the enthusiasm of the crowds. Nor the sway of persuasion. But, Father, let the gravity of truth sink into steadfastness of our own lives. And then will you do what can only be done? by resurrection power and the faith of Jesus Christ. Will you let us understand, Lord, and have wisdom? We thank you for the house of sorrow, for it's better than the house of laughter. It allows the countenance of the heart to change. And I'm not just heavy this morning over a little cow that I love in the milk barn, but for those who are afflicted in the body today. as Paul wrote, the wondrous travail he endured from continent to continent. At the end, I thank you, Lord, that he said, it's the care of the church that comes upon me daily. Like the little donkey riding to Jerusalem, the little colt, Lord, never been ridden by a man. Would you allow us, as we submit to you, to carry Christ into every situation, not only of our own lives, but of others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Gary. Amen. If I may ask for a couple of people to come forward, we have a couple of, we have two more Bibles to give away. The church wants to give you a Bible. Isn't that exciting, church? Amen. And we've, uh, the lives, you know, we give them Bible, It's, it's not just another Bible or another person, but these are... Are people that God has touched their lives, and we have seen them come to Christ, profess their faith in Jesus, and then be water baptized. And so, the first one's for Derek. You, know, if you give him a hand clap, church. There you go, buddy. They don't like to hug when they're that age, but I like to hug them. Amen, <laughs> Amen Derek. Okay. And the other one is for Robbie. I'd like to give Robbie a Bible from the church last Sunday evening. Amen. Wow. Amen. Thanks. Amen. You're welcome, Robbie. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Give another. Thank you. And I hope you brought your Bible with you today. Amen. If it's okay with you, I'm going to do what Paul did in the 26th chapter of Acts. As he raised his right hand to Agrippa, he said, I'm going to thank myself happy. But today I'm going to preach myself happy. How does that sound to you? Amen. (laughs) Amen. And so I'm excited to be here, church. Uh, it's It's really an honor and a pleasure to serve you and to serve the Lord and in doing so to see such incredible things happening um, I'm sorry that we don't have more time where I could tell you more of what I see on the outskirts and happening spiritually and especially the movement of God within this uh, body of believers and the direction that's very evident as pastor the the future is very evident to me as a minister and I don't I think that is uh, hinged upon who's here ministering. I just want to say to you, God has an intent, a vision, a clarity, and a push that is very clear to me over and over throughout the months we have been here and serving and teaching the word of God. And so I would ask you to pray in secret at times concerning what God would ask of each of us for his future. And he knows what the future brings. Amen. You heard my prayer. And so, as we prepare ourselves, and especially prepare our hearts, it's important that we prepare our hearts for this season. The world may be caught up in one direction of Christmas, but we have a message to declare. And so, if you have your Bible with you, we'll be in the book of Luke today, and we'll be in chapter 1. And if I may, I would like to do a verse-by-verse breakdown and teaching of the story that's not a story, but history and truth of how John the Baptist came into the world and who his parents were and maybe what they were dealing with in a natural sense and bringing this down on a level where it's not just something that we try to elevate as though it's different from our lives. So I'd like to begin reading in verse 5. And let's just read small amounts and break that down. Is that okay with you if we do it that way this morning? Chapter 1, verse 5, the book of Luke. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. I want to stop right there. One thing we want to see out of this fifth verse is that it states the days in which he was born, and you see that uh, King Herod was there in the as king of judah and that there was a priest named zacharias now it says something here of the course of abia maybe that seems like it's not significant but it's very significant this is actually the way that they try to date christmas time the course of abia and so in the days of david in order to fulfill the work of the priesthood he divided the priest into 24 courses and when he divided them into 24 courses, they simply would rotate course to course. Abia was the course of the 24. It, in fact, it was the eighth course in the lineup. And the reason that they begin to dispute concerning the time of the birth of Christ, whether it be December or spring, maybe possibly even a March date, is because we're not certain of when Abia was operating. Um, as, and I don't want to get into a whole lot there but until we get to about seventy A.D., there haven't they. Some had trouble. I'm sure others that would listen to this by way of podcast have this all figured out. Nonetheless, it is the timing of the course of Abian when they were serving in relationship to the temple that lets us date Christmas and the birth of Jesus. I say to you, uh, no matter what date he was born, he has impacted the whole world. And even atheist historians say concerning. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that there has never been a man born in the earth that ever affected humanity like the penniless preacher out of Galilee. And we know for sure time is dated by Him. We know He has affected mankind on all fronts and challenged all, all religions, false religions around the world, Christ alone. He never built a military. He never saved great amounts of money. In fact, he could pull a coin out of a fish's mouth if he needed a little money. But I tell you, he never done any of the great things that we would suppose great kingdoms do. But he came to humble himself to love and serve humanity who he knew only, that God only could redeem them through his service. This makes him spectacular. I want to say about the course of Abia, that he was serving there, and I don't want you to mix up Zacharias, his work, with what you would maybe learn about the tabernacle of Moses in the most holy place. His offering, or his incense offering, was happening. It was not in the holy place, it was in the temple, as you see it recorded here. Another interesting about this first verse is that both Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth, are both out of the lineage of Aaron. They represent the priestly side of Christianity, where Aaron was concerned, the, the Levites were concerned. What's interesting concerning Christ is his, the parents we see represented there are out of David's side. So you have the king's side, the son of David coming. And God orchestrating the bloodline even naturally as it comes down. But you begin to see, as you heard in my prayer, there have been seasons and time in which God wanted to impose himself. He's always wanted to get to mankind. In fact, as he was in Sinai, he said, if you build in the earth what you saw in the heavens, or what you saw in the mountain, I'm sorry, he said, then I will come and live with you. God has always wanted to live with us. And this is why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. God has always wanted to be with us from the garden. He wanted to fellowship Adam and Eve. It was sin that separated that. And ever since then, God has had a way. And Jesus was not plan B. From before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was crucified in the very Godhead, the Trinity. And the Trinity is very accurate and very true. Amen. Stand on it today. Muslims may dispute it. Jehovah's Witness may dispute it. Oneness Pentecostal may dispute it. But it could be backed in the Bible. And before, before life was love, before the life that was ever created by God, any life, any breath, any living thing, there was love in the Father. Even I don't want to get over on that because I could really get to amen. And, and Jude said we should contend for the faith. That means you defend it. You defend the word of God. We need to know where we stand in this day. Amen. And then declare it. Let it be the light to the world. We shouldn't see the truth of the Bible and the work of the rock of the, the work of Jesus Christ as being something that's just offensive. Truth makes us free. Truth makes the opposers free. And if you can instruct them with meekness by the engrafted word of God, then you have given to them light and salt to get out of their situation with the hope of Christ. If we see only that truth is something that we shouldn't do, and we fall and succumb to the arena of our day, when every mouth is silenced in view of not offending one another, you have put yourself in contrast to Christianity. Jesus said the cross has offended the whole world. Okay, I won't get on that. I'll be... I'll be crusade preaching before that's over. Okay. So the course of Abia, he was serving morning and night with incense. Let's continue to read church. Verse six. This is concerning him and his wife, Elizabeth. It just ends up in the last verse, the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. It just shown to us Zacharias and Elizabeth. Verse six. They were both righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. Big word at the end of this verse. Blameless. Here we have Zacharias and Elizabeth, blameless. There's something else we have here. Proof that a godly marriage is one we should strive for. Proof that a godly marriage, we should strive for it. They had this. They were blameless. Can you imagine? Now, they said they walked in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord. And they were blameless. We see a wonderful marriage. Aren't you glad God did this, amen, in their marriage? I mean, okay, let's continue to read. And they had no child. Nothing more heartfelt than when you are wanting to have a child and you can't. And you're a couple. I remember years ago, I worked at Coke chemical that later was allied signal and had a very good friend and him and his wife could not have children. And man, I remember conversation after conversation. And so they couldn't have children. It was just, it was really so hard on their relationship and their lives. And they wanted to have a child, have this family network and. And I remember he would come and, and talk to me about this. And I'm only 19 years old then. And I should have married Julie then. That's my only regret. Amen. Yeah. We were married at 25. I should have married you at 19, honey. See there. We could have had more children together. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, but he they couldn't. And, and this become very complicated. And so they would even go to classes and... And he would come back, and I'm 19 years old, and he would start to explain to me. And it sounded so complex on how to have a baby. You know, because they had, had complications. He could describe to me every little thing that was going on. probably more information than I wanted, you know. But they were learning this so that they could get it right and get in a place where they could have a child. And, and man, I remember that. And then it wasn't but about three or four months ago, uh, I had a a great friend i'd met in the last year or two and and he'd come to the house to go fishing and he brought a friend with him and I just enjoyed having them over and they were always catching lots of fish and and he shared with me on the pond dam that him and his wife had have spent fifteen years trying to have a child and man when I see this verse that says they had no child, and I see this great godly relationship. And then I, I can just imagine what that they had some of the same conversations as some of the conversations I've had with my friends. And they had no child, and then here I am on the pond dam, and my friend that I just really enjoy, and, and, and just learning to know him and his wife. And 15 years, they couldn't have a child. And we were just on the pond dam, so there wasn't anyone to bother, and And I said, have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and just ask Him to do this? Of course, they're catching catfish and him and his friend. I said, well, I'll tell you, if you're willing to bow your head and let's let's just put our faith in Christ, though we've wore ourselves out, and I know it's been many years, but I wonder if we could do that together just right here on this pond dam. This has been, I don't know, probably three or four months ago. And he did. And we bowed our heads and I prayed with, amen, fervency. Because I've been here before. I've seen this. And I've seen enough about Christ and his workings that are internal, inside. He just, I just, I'm just, in love with him. And even though there's moments I prayed and maybe I didn't see what I expected, there's something in me that always keeps marching forward to follow and love on him. And to want to pray and offer that to somebody else. And we bowed our heads and I prayed. And I don't remember exactly, but it would have been something in the nature of God. Man, you've done this. And I don't know what it feels like to be my friend today. Because I have five children. But I know they've spent 15 years. And I don't... I can't twist your arm, Lord. I understand that. And if you didn't answer my prayer, I'm still going to love you and serve you. But would you? God, would you just because of Christ? Not because we're good enough or, or we, we don't think you've wronged us, but because He's so great and you're so great and you loved us so much and you ask us to come so boldly to ask these kind of things, they just look impossible to the world after 15 years. But would you, God? Would you do this? And we ended with an amen. And so about eight or nine weeks ago, I get a phone call and a message. And my friend leaves me a message and says, maybe we're a little cautious, but we have a positive pregnancy test. And then last night we was out loving on Bessie in the dark and trying to get... We got her stood up and was just tending to that and I couldn't get to the phone. But when I did, there was another message. And now we're nine weeks in and there was a picture of this child in the womb. And the doctor said, you've surpassed this early areas of difficulty and this child's heartbeat and everything looks so normal. And I called this soon-to-be father. And he said, God has done something for me. He didn't have to, but he did. I can't explain to you the doings and how. I just know that sometimes he does. And that all the time we can put our faith in him, I know that a family today is turning their eyes toward heaven. I know for sure. And I know that I wanted to share that with you because maybe you're not here because you want a baby or maybe because you do. But I'm going to offer you at the end of this service a time, just in quietness like this, it doesn't have to be. Persuasion of men is not the establishment of truth in your own heart, but the believing of the Word of God. And allowing the faith of Christ's resurrection to settle in solid enough that it moves us. Maybe you're here this morning and you'll be bearing a family member's burden. A friend's burden or maybe your own. But if we could continue to read. May I say to you, or before we do. Some years ago also I dealt with another couple. It'll be very brief. He actually is super intelligent. Has master's degrees and studies genetics also were unable to have a child they said it was medically close to impossible but ask if we would pray and then julie and the children and i were going up to a little altar in town and we would before we ate ice cream we would go to the altar and pray and i never forget a time when we went up for prayer and that night i just just felt like i need to write a card so the next day i said i was in the altar praying and i believe that the lord want me to write this to you and I said, I'm sorry for my penmanship because it's horrible, but we spend time in prayer for your family on this issue. We've been praying for some time. And she said the day she opened that up from the mailbox was the day she found out she had actually miscarried. But within the verse that was there, I still remember the verse that I wrote to her out of Hebrews that Sarah, through faith, received strength to conceive, though she was past age. And immediately after that, she did conceive again. And the little boy has his birthdays every year. And I've had the pleasure of praying with his family and thanking God for the great miracle once again he had done. Amen. Amen. I believe that really sets the stage as we continue to look. Verse 7. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. That means she could not have a child or at least to that point, was not having children. They were both now well stricken in years. That means they were older, they had spent some time. So I'm glad that we have enough of a track record here to see not only that she hadn't had children and was maybe possibly even old enough that naturally it would be a problem, but we have enough years to see that the faithfulness and the walking and the commandments and the ordinance of God and that God would give them a marking of blameless now had the test of time. And that's what we want to see in every life. The test of time upon the word of God. May I say to you, because they were said to be blameless, he did not say they were sinless. Please think about that. You can be blameless and not be sinless. They were blameless, but not sinless. They were blameless without. I'm sure they were blameless among their peers that they had an extraordinary character about their lives. They were not liars or thieves. They were not hypocrites, but they were blameless. But how about with God that they remained faithful to His ordinance and His commandments? Even in their own struggle, without having children, how many times for years, if they're well stricken in years in their faithfulness, had they cried out in prayer? And I'm sure at this point, because their bodies were now older, it didn't look naturally as though it could happen. They now had to turn their faith toward the impossible. This is what I love about God. Now let's continue to read, church. Verse 8, it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So what he was simply doing, he was offering morning and night, and he was in the, if you ask uh, Zacharias, hey, what do you do in the ministry? He would say, I burn incense. That's what I do. I'm in the course of Abia. I mean, if you ask me, I say, hey, you know, I preach, and amen, sometimes I'll... Do this and do that in, in your lives. Last night, and thank you to everybody who's taken time. You're coming together, cleaning, decorating. All this is not done without a body of Christ doing their part. Everyone has a part. Some teach Sunday school. Anyway, okay. So as we see here, he burnt incense morning and night. Now, verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now, this tells us it likely was Sabbath day. The day that this occurred was likely Sabbath because all the people were outside. And so what happened was they were outside waiting. He was burning incense. And normally when you finish this incense offering, you would come out and give a blessing to the people. You know, you would say something wonderful like, man, it was a great day in the house of God, you know, or whatever it was that he would say at a specific prayer that he would use and he would say there. And so uh, let's continue to, to look. And and verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. I mean, what would you do if your job was to burn incense day and night? And there was also a specific prayer that he was praying while he was there for Israel, for their future. I mean, it's not that he couldn't have prayed for himself. But likely he was praying on behalf of all of the body of the nation of Israel within that promise that God had made. It doesn't exclude his own personal prayer, but it's likely not what his focus was. And look here. And it says that trouble fell on him in verse 12 and fear fell on him. But the angel said, Fear not, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. Which prayer? Which prayer? Sometimes it's in doing the everyday ordinances and commandments and your faithfulness to God that God can remind you in that of how he has heard a prayer that you previously have prayed. I want to remind you that when you pray prayers, though they seem old and aged, they are still very effective before God. Though it has been a season of time and you may weary, I want to say to you this morning, God is able. Amen. And so what we want to do is see that prayer is not something that that we can kind of uh, generate to the degree that it would twist an arm of God. But that prayer is an offering that we put before the Lord and knowing how holy and faithful and just He is, we petition Him. And there are times he grants our petition, and the joy is unspeakable. And as Jesus tells in, in contrast to the Pharisee how to pray, he said, Do it in secret so God rewards you openly. And here where there's a surety that that Zacharias and Elizabeth had prayed in secret, no, no question, that this husband and wife that was God fearing and blameless among the crowd, among the body, had prayed. And now in his regular everyday service, when he's now older and probably doesn't feel like you know he could have a baby, and we won't explain all the reasons of that. But he said in verse thirteen, But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son, and you're going to call his name John. Verse fourteen, You're going to have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. I want to stop here a second. There's no question what this says. He's saying some great things. I mean, it's not only you couldn't have a child, but now God's saying some great things about the one you're going to have. Amen? I mean, he's really saying like, this guy, this is going to be a great child. You tells him what to name him? I mean, if someone's listening to a podcast or even in the church, I thought about Hannah. She sent me a nice birthday text this year, and I told Hannah back, "We we prayed for you before you were born." I mean, I was preaching specifically, and but what was bathed in the heart during those season was a second chapter of Luke, and in this, and here we are about to approach it. In, in that instant, Anna, which is a Old Testament Hannah, in that instant she came, and that's why I wanted to name Hannah Hannah. So my Hannah, amen, I understand this, but God told what his name's going to be, John, and how great things he was going to do. I mean, as parents, is God speaking to us that way and ensuring us? Are we praying that way as parents? I mean, are we going to take this and really run with? This is practical. Okay. But when it says no wine or strong drink, this is immediately identifying him as a Nazarite. Samuel also walked in the same order. And because of the priestly side of this lineage and the fulfillment that Christ would have to the law and to the tabernacle of Moses, it's very important God was laying out. And just like the prophets of old, this also as said by the words of Christ himself was the greatest prophet. Ever born of the womb. This was the last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist. He would come in the spirit of Elias, and all of these. You hear all these things said about him. He was the Nazarite, no strong drink, no uh, no wine. And it said he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him. Now the angels saying all this to Zacharias. He's still in there burning the incense. He's got fear on him when this angel shows up. I mean, I don't know how many times he'd done it, but probably a long time. They're old in age. They'd served faithfully. A long time, many times he's done it. And there's another word of caution not to do what we do every week and, and, and really to put our heart in the worship of God and, and the, the trust of His Word and the faith of Christ and not ever let it become a repetition. And when an invitation comes, let today's invitation be as fresh as the first invitation you ever responded to because God deserves that. And so what we have here is him burning the incense. I mean, look at this long spiel. The angel didn't just show up and, and flap, a, or not that he had a wing, but if he did, you know, he didn't flap his wings, or maybe he had six wings, you know, it could be. We won't get into all that, but, but, but here he is. Can you imagine this going on? You're older, you haven't had children, and, and all this is getting, what? My wife's going to have a baby. His name's going to be John. He's going to be great. Don't let him drink uh, wine drink or a strong wine or a strong drink. He's a Nazarite. He's going to speak all these things. He's going to be like the spirit of what? This is big. This is big. Let's continue to read. And he should, in verse 17, he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is a big ministry. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How am I going to know this? You just heard the angel preach it. The first thing he said was, How am I going to know this? He should have said. Be it unto me according to thy word. But he didn't. How am I going to know this? Now look at the next excuse. I'm an old man. Most of the people used in Hebrews. Were considered elderly. The heroes of faith men and women were all of an age at least the majority of an age that would be considered elderly in our generation he said i'm old how am i gonna know this i'm an old man and look at the next one and my wife's well stricken what's that mean let's don't get into it (laughs) i mean i might have said i'm an old man now my wife still looks great right wouldn't all of you husbands say that? I'm old, but she still looks good. No. He said, I'm old and she's well stricken. That sounds good though. Doesn't it? Well stricken. She's stricken, but she looked better than I do. Maybe or, oh, I'm just playing with that. Okay. Loosen up for me. Okay, here we go. Look at verse 19 and we're going to quit here. In just a few verses and we'll, we'll let, let the Lord uh, do what he wants to do in your life. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. That stands in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak to you. And to show you these glad tidings. Wow. Verse 20. And behold you're going to be dumb. Well that's how I feel every time I don't believe the word of God. Dumb. I feel dumb every time the Lord shows me the Bible and I choose not to believe it. Every time I believe my thoughts above the Bible, I feel dumb. I don't know about, and I know this word in talking about lip, but I feel dumb. And then look what he does here. And you're not going to be able to speak until the day that these things, I'll tell you, the angel says, I'll tell you how you're going to know, buster. (laughs) No talking for you. Done, now the angel Gabriel that standing in the presence of God just did all this talking, preached this wonderful message, it's true. Like you're going to have this baby, he's going to do all these great things, he's going to be a Nazarite, he's going to preach to the nation, turn the heart of the fathers this way, spirit of Elias. I mean, they had heard this. This man's faithful. He knows something like this is coming. He's not ignorant to the prophets and the tabernacle and the law and all of these things. But he said, you're not going to be able to speak. Why? Why? Because you didn't believe my word, which shall be fulfilled in its season. Oh, maybe you think this doesn't sound like much. But let's go ahead, just, let's go ahead and take a look at this. Let's put it into a practical nature. I mean, after all, today the word of God is God's voice spoke to you. And I've challenged your heart. I've shared with you the word of God. But this wasn't just something done back there. This is something still being done today. Maybe it's not John the Baptist being born, but there's some travail in your life. There's prayers you've prayed. Maybe some are in here saying, I'm well stricken. I'm old. Or I've prayed a long time. I've been faithful and blameless. Maybe some say, I've got a marriage that looks like this. I love it. It's a God-fearing marriage. Maybe some say, I don't have this. But you can identify in the prayers that were prayed for many years that didn't look like they were happening. And then you hear this wonderful message, and all of a sudden you've got Zacharias that's a, like a minister, and he don't believe it. There's a challenge for the preacher. Does the preacher believe it? Or is the preacher just preaching words? And the way they give you proof of who believed and who didn't believe in this text of scripture, you're not going to be able to talk. Now, what if every time I left the pulpit and I really wasn't believing, what if I couldn't talk? Because when he walked out to the people, they wanted to hear the blessing, and he walked out and went. I mean, what'd they think? That guy can't talk. I mean, what if every preacher in this country who didn't believe the Word of God, I'm not talking about what you know intellectually and all your doctorates and... I'm not talking about how intellectual you are. I'm talking about a childlike faith that just moves the minister because God said it. It's good enough. Not God said it and I believe it. God said it, that's enough. Every time He said something, something happened. Is the Word of God so powerful? It's just a rock. We sang about the rock. I mean, what if when I left and and the way to know, now some months back we did this deal and I said, you know, what if every time you met someone like at church and, and what you really was thinking about them would just show up on your shirt? You know what I mean? Like, huh? I mean, not what you say, but what you think. You know what I mean? It's like. Instead of me walking and hey, Ronnie, how you doing, brother? It might, what if it said something like, geez, I can't wait. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we say things and, hey, how are you doing? And instead of you say, great, instead of like, it's been the worst week of my life. You know what I mean? The honesty shows up. But here you have some, the, the identification with an unbeliever, you can't talk. Now apply this to the church. What if every person who was actually an unbeliever in our midst couldn't talk when they left here? It would sound like this. (laughs) Well, what if you couldn't talk? And the way God had marked you, just like, wow, man, that's what literally happened here. But what if all of us, when we left, we, we heard the word, maybe we've heard it over and over, but we really don't believe it. Because we're too old. We've got all the excuses why we're not going to believe the word of God. What if you just couldn't talk? What kind of worship service would that be next week? Huh? Like everyone, we know we're going to church. But it's kind of like. And Gary's up there. Now, we know Gary believes. So Gary would have a voice. Okay. no, are you with me? Wouldn't be any gossip. The gossip would be over with. Wouldn't it? Boy, everyone's really like. (laughs) But we don't have that today. There's not this thing that goes off and all of a sudden when you leave, it's like, well, I wonder who believed that. As a preacher, you're kind of you know, I wonder who believed that scripture. Well, if it was like this, my wife could say, well, it's everyone who can talk. After, (laughs) oh yeah, how many can't talk? You know what I mean? It's like. But how many areas of my life would I not be able to talk? What are the areas that the Word of God is trying to penetrate and that is true, but we've heard it, and how can you hear it in this situation not believe it? It proves to us, even the most dramatic of situations, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things from who's, who's a great preacher, who's the great worship styles, all of these things, but at the end of the day, this boils down to whether we believe the Word of God. We're not Christian because we just like certain music or like certain preaching or like certain church. We're Christians because we believe the Word of God. We're made believers. See, we're believers. So I challenge to say, if God's penetrating your situation today, I mean, are you believing? Are you believing? Because see, if, if we're believing, it's going to move us. Faith is really made known by its works. And he said, don't be a hearer and not the doer. And sometimes we think of that about a, as a missionary situation and it absolutely can be. Sometimes it will move you into a position where you're, you have a heart to go other lands and countries. Sometimes it's to your next door neighbor. And other times it's like, We have trouble believing for ourselves, And this is where it really boils down because God needs to speak and he's about to speak to John the Baptist in the wilderness so that John the Baptist can go to any wilderness and preach the truth message of light of Jesus Christ. And until we've received that light in our own life, there's no light to offer somebody else. So at the end of this preaching if we had this situation going on, would you say you would be one who could speak or not speak at the end of this service? In my own life, would I be a minister outside? Go on. Because the whole congregation was there. You see, can I share something with you? If the minister doesn't believe what he's preaching, it's actually like that anyway. I know it's a very sober thought. But I wanted to challenge every one of us from the pulpit to the very back wall. Do you feel like Zacharias and his wife possibly has been feeling? I prayed and all of these things. Maybe we use, you know, sometimes it's like an excuse. I'm, I'm too old or I'm too this. I'm too busy. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too. But God wanted to do something great and give them tidings of great joy. And the great joy of God comes from responding Because God said it, not how great anyone else can say what he said. The Holy Spirit has a way of taking that message you need to hear. And I'm on purpose last week and this week, slow, so we can be here and let God move us because of the word of God. There'll be other times that I'm going to preach and you'll get... But we need to let this settle. And so this isn't all about what we need either. And as I close... As I close, I think about the fact that he was offering an incense and the Bible said that your prayers... Or an incense unto God. And maybe there's some here that say. I don't really. I'm pretty satisfied. I have most of what I need in my life. But the joy God gets. From you coming. To pray. Is like a sweet smelling savor. In the nose of God. Just your response. Your love for him. Recognizing his complete and total love for you. I give you this invitation. If you would please stand to your feet. Would would you be willing to believe the word of God? And respond to God not because of any display of preaching. But because the word of God is true. And it's enough. That it moves us. Why preacher? Would you want this? Like this? You're normally. Because there are going to be seasons of life. That don't feel very nice. That don't feel very exciting. And I want you to know. That the word of God will stand the test in all seasons of life. And needs to be applied not only when we feel like it but when we don't feel like it. And I'm glad we're disciples and He's able to discipline our lives in Jesus' name.